0: Hi, good morning. Good to see everybody here at our main campus. Welcome to you guys that are joining us online. So two quick things before we actually jump into uh, the message here today. So one, uh, if you weren't with us last week, we did reverse giving, um, and I'll just give you this brief explanation. So at the end of every year, uh, instead of taking a donation and then we as a church giving it away, uh, we take money and give it back. Uh, to uh, each family here at the church and uh, each individual that wants to be a part of this. Uh, And we give money back. We ask you to do a couple things. One, uh, ask God what you wanna add to it. Um, So we put $50 in there and we just say, hey, you know, what is it that you wanna add to it? What is it that God's telling you to add? And then we ask you uh, to pray about somebody to give it to uh, with trusting this, is that there is multiple people out there not just looking for money, but looking for people, right? That's the idea is connecting you with people and that we never know, like people ask us all the time, do you ever worry that somebody's gonna give somebody money and they're not gonna use it right? Or you ever worry that somebody's gonna keep the envelope? You know, we've we've had that conversation. You ever worry that like people are just gonna keep all the money and not do anything with it? Yeah, for us, the, the thing that we trust is is that if, if God's moving in the lives of people, we can just trust that whatever you choose to do with it, keep it, add to it, or give it away, that God's going to do what he wants to be able to do. So we still have envelopes left. So after the service, Jennifer's going to be back by the Christmas tree, right? Um, and so if you want one, um, and or if you uh, have somebody else that like you gave it away, I'm assuming, just go see her again. We'll have another envelope for you. We'd love for you to be able uh, to take another one uh, and be able to bless somebody with that. So that'll be after the service. I'll remind you again uh, after the service is over to be able to do that. And then it's the obvious. Eve Eve's coming now. If you haven't been with us, you know, don't confuse this because some people are like Christmas Eve, right? And you're just doing a play on like Eve, Eve. No, it's actually Christmas Eve, Eve, right? And very specifically for a reason. So for us, we do two things over Christmas that we think are important. So one, we want to give you every opportunity possible that if you are, because this is what we're assuming you are friends with, in relationship with, have the opportunity to influence people that aren't in church or don't know Christ, right? That's just an assumption. We're assuming that you throughout the year as a Christian person have been thinking through, praying through, asking, whatever that is. So we want to give you every opportunity possible to be able to influence those people. Now, Here's what we found out way early on in starting the church. You know what somebody's excuse for not coming on Christmas Eve? So people would say, I invited somebody and they said, I can't come. Well, why can't you come? Well, Christmas Eve is for our family. So we're like, well, that's easy. We'll just do Eve Eve. Right? So there aren't any excuses you know, for people, not our people coming, but for the people that you're inviting. right? So it's an opportunity for you to be able to invite people to Eve Eve. And it's is an opportunity for you to do your own church, right? So if you, on Christmas Eve, if you have a family tradition and you do things together, we don't want to interrupt that. It's a great opportunity for you as a family to do what you have been doing. And then always the Sunday between Christmas and New Year's, we always take off. So we will not be meeting that Sunday. And what we encourage people to do all the time, worship at home, go to another church enjoy worship somewhere else, whatever those things that that you want to be able to do. But we spent a year, a lot of volunteers pouring into people, a lot of opportunities that that people have had. We'd love for you to just be able to have a Sunday with your family and, you know, again, a Sunday to either worship at home and people like, well, what are we going to do? There are other churches that are meeting, you know, enjoy the worship services that they have. We're just going to take that Sunday off. Good? Now, Here's what we want you to do. We want you to invite people, obviously. So how do you invite people? So there's a couple different ways. So we have provided uh, opportunities on our social media, whether it's Instagram or Facebook, for videos or invites for you guys to be able to share. So you can go on social media. Like if you're too chicken to actually ask somebody, you know, that's a perfect way to get out of it, right? Like you don't have to ask, you can just hit share, you know, and you put it out there. And, or if you already are asking people, and this is just another way to do it, um, so you can, you know, use our social media uh, to be able to share that with people. If you are in our database, you got an email or are gonna get an email, you know, that's forwardable, that you can use and forward on uh, to other people to be able to invite that way. Um, but anything that you can do, we're asking you. Pray for, take an opportunity to invite somebody to Evie because unashamedly, every Evie Eve, we are going to preach the gospel and trust that people are going to come to know Jesus. But that, That's what we do on Evie, So we're hoping that you can come and not only celebrate with your family, but also celebrate that people might hear the good news for the first time um, in that service. So uh, that's that's what's going on with Eve, Eve. Again, hope that you can be here. Hope that you can worship with us, and hope that we can celebrate together. All right, so. We are at the end of this series that that we put together called Good News Brings Great Joy. And so let me give you the just real quick uh, recap because if you're listening or watching uh, online or if you've been here for the first time and this is the first time you've heard it, you can always go back and listen uh, to past messages and it can get you caught up um, to where we are today. But the short of it is this. I think that although we say we know the reason for the season, A ton of things distract us away from the reason for the season. Is that fair to say? Like we can all say, we know, we know, you don't have to tell us a thousand times Jesus is the reason for the season. And then you have to go get a dumb tree. And then you have to decorate the tree. And then you have to go out there and get gifts. And then, I mean, this is all things other people do. And then you gotta wrap them all, right? Then you gotta wrap all of those things that you were super excited to buy. And now they're all sitting in your room unwrapped anybody? And you know, I'm to wrap all those dumb things. Like, I, like all of this, I got a family get together. I got a plan to get together. I got to get the people, get together with people that I haven't talked to forever. So I got to psych myself up, you know, to be able to talk to those people that I haven't talked to. All of that happens and some of it different for other people. But at the end of the day, we know that there are major distractions in this time that take us away from the reason for the season. So We want to just kind of do a reset every Sunday. Hey, let's reset, let's remember, let's reset, let's remember. And so we started with the obvious the greatest gift that you will ever get or have been given, and the greatest gift that you will ever give is Jesus, right? That we need to remember in this season that the thing that changed your life is worth giving to somebody else, right? That's the idea. Don't forget. It's the greatest gift you were ever given. It's the greatest gift that you will ever be able to give. And with that gift, then we went into week two, the idea is this, for the gift to be able to move forward, you have to say yes. So that means yes in a couple different ways. Yes from the standpoint of, you know what? I did figure out I needed Jesus, so yes, I will accept the gift. Right, Like, I will accept the gift. That gift will change my life and or yes saying this, I'm going to choose to say, not only was it the best thing i would ever been given, I'm gonna do the best I can to give it to every single person that I know, right? And a simple yes, this is what we talked about last week. One simple yes can transform the world. And I want you to think about this because I think sometimes we just kind of gloss over this. Don't forget the power of what God can do with your obedience. You see, sometimes I think we take him out of the mix. You know, we're like, well, we don't really know what, what will he do, and I don't know if that person will say yes. The biggest thing you need to recognize is that with obedience, God can be God. And remember, he spoke the universe into existence. So we can trust that he can do amazing things, right? Right? So let our yes, let us have the opportunity to to say yes and then let God work. Now, think about this. This is still, out of all the times that I've read this, this is still one of the most perplexing things to me. So now, the Savior has been born, right? The gift is there. Now what? Right, so now we have the gift. Here's what we know the message of the gift has to get out to the right people, right? Like, this is a gift, and this gift that was given has to get out to the multitude of people. So I want you to think about this for a second. From a PR standpoint, okay, put it in in, in our terminology today. So you have some news, right? And here's what we all know. If you want news to spread, you have to give it to the right people, right? And how do you decide who the right people are, right? Well, it depends on what you're doing. If you're trying to sell something, if you're trying to convince somebody to do something, you tend to say, I'm gonna give it to this influencer. I think that's the word of the day today, isn't it? <laughs> right, like give it to an influencer because they have influence. And if that person says, which is still amazing to me, If this person says that it's good, it could be a complete piece of crap. And everybody's still buying it because that person said on YouTube, this thing's amazing. I'm like, that thing's a piece of crap. Well, no, everybody's saying it's great. So the idea would be, if you're trying to do something, give it to that person, right? And make sure that, because we all know this, like when you put a message out, you only get a couple times to get it out and get it out right. Right? So you got to really prepare to be able to, to get that message out, give it to the right people, right? And, and pray and hope that those people do the right things. You're hoping that it takes off. right? Like Everybody that's selling something, everybody that's doing something, everybody that's having a message is hoping that that takes off. Now, this announcement, the greatest announcement that will completely change the world, And this was God's PR plan. We're going to have a baby in Bethlehem where there's only 300 people. And the people that we're going to tell first are the shepherds that nobody likes, right? That are living out in a field that a lot of people think are completely irrelevant. Now, does that make any sense? Like you think about that concept. Now, the reason I want to talk about that is because I think we're just going to go over that and be like, oh, they, you know, he talked to the the angel, talked to the shepherds and the shepherds went there and, you know, they went out and everything was good. You don't hear about the shepherds again. But I think if you would understand what God was doing, because God never does anything that's just the happenstance. Right, like very, Specifically, he made decisions of why Bethlehem and specifically what we're gonna talk about today, why he chose the shepherds and what I'm hoping that you'll get out of today and why specifically he's choosing you. To proclaim the greatest message that could ever be told that will transform the entire world. So if you have a Bible, turn to uh, Luke we're going to be in Luke 2 and we're going to be looking at verses uh, 18 through 20. So remember in this part of the story well uh, obviously Jesus has already been born we've went through all of that that you know the angels coming to Mary and Joseph uh, they have to travel and they have to travel to Bethlehem for a census and so they're here the baby has been born and now we're at this place where kind of what I was talking about we're at this place where the message has to be to get out so how does the message, Get out. So we're going to read all the way through it and then break it down. So Luke 2, starting in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and uh, on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, shepherds said to one another, let's go to bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the lord has told us about so they hurried off and found mary and joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger and when they had seen him they had spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child and all who heard were amazed at the shepherds at what the shepherds said to them but mary treasured up all things and pondered them in her heart and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising god for all the things that they had heard and seen which were just as they had been told. Now, the shepherds, right? So we always talked about why Bethlehem. You know, 300 people. You know, part of that's prophecy. Part of it is, you know, how God wanted to be able to move the message out. But we would know this, I think, if you wanted the message to be able to get out. Wouldn't you've done it in a more influential city with way more people? You know, what I mean, the idea would be if you if you would have went into Jerusalem. If you would have went into a different place where there were a lot more people, then the message you would assume would spread faster than it would have been if you were in Bethlehem. But the thing that I wanna focus on the most is the shepherds. So we gotta understand them first. So know that shepherds back then, in the world's eyes, so we're gonna look at it in the world's eyes, shepherds back then were considered very lowly, right? like uh, from a class standpoint, You know, they were the the working lower class. They were people that were considered unclean, right? So back then, they were considered unclean for a couple different reasons. Uh, One of the reasons is, is because they handled all of the sheep. So these shepherds that we're talking about, here's what I want you to think about. They were raising the sheep that then would go to the temple in Jerusalem to be sacrificed for the sins of people, right? So they were handling all of the stuff that would go into the temple, but couldn't go into the temple. Does that make any sense? Sound a little religious, (laughs) right? Now, here's the other part of it. The other reason that they were kind of outcasts is because they were farmers. And if you're an animal farmer, here's what you know. They still eat on Sunday. They still have to be taken care of on Sunday. So guess who couldn't make it to church? Right? Right? The shepherds, right? So from from the standpoint of what we would judge, somebody who was in the right place with God, none of the people from the outside would have looked at them and be like, wow, I mean, they are godly men, right? Nobody from the outside. Now, what did God see that man didn't, right? What is it that, that made it so that God would talk to or would show up to, or would give a message to those people that he didn't see in anybody else, right? What, what was that thing? And so I think if you would look at it and you would follow kind of the timeline, you know, of what happens with the shepherds, here's the one thing that we do know. The shepherds had to be godly men looking for a Messiah, right? They had to be people that would have known that there was a Messiah coming because they were Jewish people, right? So all of the Jewish people were told at the time, you're waiting for something, right? You're waiting for something. And so they would have been people that were waiting and that were hoping for, but they were just doing it in the background. And here's the other thing that we know, and I think that this is important. We all understand this. The time that people meet Jesus is when they're looking for him. You see, part of the problem that I think would happen with why he didn't show up to the Pharisees, they said they were looking, but they really weren't. Right? Like, they would have said that we're doing all of the religious things to be prepared for, but here's what we know about God, or here's what we know about the situation. God is looking for those people that are seeking him, right? Right? or that are wanting something different in their life, right? And that's how it is and that's how it starts in every single one of the situations. So it's important to see that because we have to know that God is gonna show up to the people that are seeking him. And it's amazing how this works. So if you don't ever listen to the round table, at least listen to the round table once or twice because the round table is full of tons of stories about God doing amazing things in the life of people. So, this week, funny leading up into this message. This week, two separate people on our podcast that had essentially the same message, right? Now, they had tons of other things in it, but Cale and Page were on this week. And to this day, I mean, I have thought about it every single day since their podcast. Tons of great insight, tons of great things, you know, awesome. Uh, Content You need to go and listen to it, but I'll give you the essence of it. So Kale was talking about his life, and in his life, he was not seeking God, right? Like, in his life, at this period of time, this was not what he was doing. It's not that he was going off the deep end. It just wasn't something that he wanted at that point in his life. His dad gets sick, right? So Troy gets sick. Troy had given his life to Christ. Troy was excited about his journey in Christianity. He's in this place, and Cale says this on the podcast. Cale says the last words that my father said to me. I'm not afraid of where I'm going, because I know where I'm going, but I don't know about you. First of all, can you imagine the courage of a father to say to their son in the last things that you're going to say, the last thing on the mind of a person would be, <laughs> I got to get this out because the most important thing that I could say to you today is not goodbye. It's I hope to see you again. Right? Like that, that I mean, again, I've thought about it all week. And then in this, Cale talks about this idea of how it sent him on a search. And in the midst of that search, Kale and Paige meet Jesus, get baptized, right? And are different people today, right? Because of that same thing, Missy Norris on the podcast talking about went to church and had religion, but didn't have relationship. But inside of the, the religious part of it, you know, she kind of walked away from God and got into alcoholism. And in alcoholism went from a functioning alcoholic to somebody who would drink, throw up on herself, clean herself up, and drink some more on a continual cycle over and over and over again. Until somebody knocks on her door, rescues her out, puts her in a program, and in that program, she's seeking because she's in a place that she no longer wants to be. Guess who shows up? Must be doing some bad preaching. Jesus, right? (laughs) But it's not a tied it all together, right? Like, When people are honestly seeking and their heart is open, Jesus is showing up, right? Jesus is coming to that place. And so we know that, right? Now, why the shepherds? I mean, just kind of bring it back. Why the shepherds? One of the biggest reasons I think, and and I know this about myself, right? And this is still to this day. Until you're humble enough to accept what you need, you'll never be able to accept Jesus. You see, the people that were out in, you know, the shepherds that were out in the field were humble enough to know, like, this is who I am. I'm messed up, I'm screwed up, I don't do the best, don't go to church very often, you know what I mean? Like, they were people seeking God, but probably not living the way that they should be. And they were humble enough to admit, "I need help." You see, I think the biggest problem today with Christians or people that want to become Christians is we're just not humble enough to admit where we really are, or you're too scared to admit, or you you know you don't you're embarrassed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're embarrassed to say, "I am off the rails. I am off the chain." I am not living the way God has called me to live. And I just wanna, I will just to speak from experience because this is me. Like you go down these roads and you don't think that you're proud until God humbles you. Anybody been humbled? God has a way that for him to work, he needs humble people. For God to be able to do the things that he wants to be able to do. And I think that he saw that In the shepherds, right? They were were people that were okay being humbled, and I think we need to be those people. Some of you today, the reason that you can't move forward, like you you keep trying harder, like you keep trying to, to move forward in your walk, or you keep trying to move forward in your life, and part of the reason you can't move forward is you're too proud to admit where you really are, so you can't take another step until you admit where you are, whether that's to another person or whether that's to God. To be able to take a step, you gotta be humble enough to admit, this is where I am. This is where I am. So humble. I think that the the shepherds were humble. Here's the other thing. They were prepared to share the gospel in a way that didn't matter what other people think, right? So think about this for a second. Now, because I've processed this. You know, if I was a town person, right? And all of a sudden, the, the shepherd in his bib overalls with crap all over him comes showing up and knocking at my door. Hey, guess what? Jesus is here, right? I'm sitting here thinking, would I be, did that guy eat mushrooms out in the field, right? <laughs> That's part of what I would be thinking, like, did something happen out in the field because... He's acting crazy, right? He's acting in a way that he, that he shouldn't be. But here's, at the end of the day, however we take it doesn't matter because that guy didn't care. He saw something. He didn't care how much you were gonna laugh, how much you thought he was an idiot, what he looked like, what his status was, how much influence what he had. I This is what I believe that God knew about the shepherds. I saw something that changed my life. I don't care what you think about me, I'm telling you. I don't care what you think about my status, I'm going to tell you, and I think that is a message that we need to hear. You see, some of you today are saying, well, I can't share the gospel, and one of the reasons you say I can't share the gospel is because my life isn't right. I'm not good enough. Who's going to listen to me? I mean, and I, listen, I mean, I hear this all the time, or you know, people, maybe it's, I hear, and maybe it's an excuse, I don't really know, but people do say this, right? Like, is anybody really going to respect me, listen to me? Like, is anybody going to really care what I have to say? Does it matter? Is that the reason? It's because you're hoping that somebody cares? Are you sharing because you're hoping that you know somebody's gonna be like, Oh, <laughs> I respect you so much for saying that. Is that what you're waiting for? Because I'm I'm pretty sure of this. I've said this a hundred times and I just wanna keep saying it. You're all evangelists for the things that you love. You are you got something cool, you're gonna be like, dude, you need to come and look at, fill in the blank, gun, motorcycle, house, TV, yeah, you see it's something you're going to be like hey, I got this and I, I need you to see it and you need you to come over and not only do I want you to see it. You should buy one You know why you should buy one because there's so much better than this one And you're going to go through all the reasons why they're so much better than that because you've researched and you know And you want to be able to see somebody else buy it. You're all evangelists The problem is when it comes to jesus you're like mm, I don't know what to say I don't know if anybody's going to listen. I don't know if anybody's going to (laughs) care. We have got to be more like the shepherds and get to the point where it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Something changed my life, and I'm going to tell you about it. And you might think I'm the biggest fool ever, but that's okay. So do a lot of other people. (laughs) You can just join in. Right? Like I've said that all the time. Like everybody has an opinion. Right? They either have enough courage to tell you or they tell somebody else. Right? Like everybody does that. So I don't, at the end of the day, I just want to be able to do, I want to be able to be obedient. And I think the reason he said I can choose the shepherds, because they're not going to worry. And I want to model moving the gospel forward like the shepherds people who are humble and people who are willing and people who don't care what other people think, like That's the model. Now, he goes on. So why did he pick? But now there's this message that the angel gives, which I think is so important because when they are getting sent out, they do have to have a message, right? So what's the message? Verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord uh, shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel... Uh, said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah the Lord. This will be assigned to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and uh, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rest. So there has to be a message, right? So that I want to give it to them. Yes, there is a gift, but what message should the shepherds take out to people? Like, what is that thing? Now, here's the first thing, and I don't want us to get over this. Do you see in the beginning when he says that they were terrified? So when I used to read this as a kid, I'm thinking, well, the reason I would be terrified is because it's going to be this great big angel, and he's going to have all these weird things. Because somebody had read to me in Revelations, and they got like eyes all over them and you know different things coming out. I'm like, that sucker showed up in my room. I'm going to be scared too, right? Like if that's really what they look like, I'm going to be terrified. But. The more research that I did over the years, part of being terrified was this. When you are in the presence of God and or a godly being, you see yourself for who you really are. And you would be terrified. I don't care how long you've went to church. When you stand in front of a holy God, and this is his This is what he wants, and this is who you are. If you're worried about being humbled, not only will you be humbled, you'll be terrified because you will see yourself for the way that God sees you. And this is why the gift means so much, right? This is why Jesus means so much, is because even though we're imperfect, we have a perfect God who gave us a solution for this problem right? The solution to the problem of when we stand in front of a holy God, that we're a mess, right? So terrified, saw myself, but then he says, but here's the message, right? Here's the thing that I want you to see. He says, unto you a savior. That's the first part of the message, a savior. Now, let's make sure we get this right. What is he saving you from? You see, sometimes I think we get this messed up. Sometimes we think that when we get God, he's gonna save our marriage. You know, he's gonna be savior of my money, savior of my business, savior of my children, savior of my circumstances of life. He will not, right? That's not that. Not to say that he's not going to, but that is not what he's talking about when he says, I'm your savior. Here's the deal. And I want everybody here in this room, and I know you've probably heard it a hundred times when I'm gonna say, you tell it to you, 101. You need saved from your sins. And you are all, you ready? You are all, I shouldn't say you all, we all, does that sound better? Are sinners. All of us fall short of the glory of God. All of us have sin in our life. You need saved from that. You have to make that decision. It's not if you grew up, young people, just because you grew up in a Christian home, you're not saved. Just because you grew up with Christian parents, you're not saved. You have to personally make a decision to say, these are, I'm a sinner. <laughs> Somebody needs to save me from my sins. Jesus is that person, right? Like, and I need to accept that gift. So we say part of the message that he's savior. The other part of the message is he's a messiah. Right? The other part of the message is he's a messiah or he's a deliverer, right? Because in this, and this is the thing that, that we need to, what's he delivering us from? Right? Because you know the the, the problem uh, that even the people then had, they thought they were delivering out of Roman oppression, but they thought the Messiah would deliver them out of Roman oppression part of our problem today is to think that he's going to deliver you out of a bad life and you're never going to have a problem again, right? The deliverance piece, the part when he's talking about that he is the Savior and he is the Messiah, right, is that he's not delivering you from a life without trials. He's delivering you from a life lived alone. That's what he's delivering you from. You can surround yourself with all the people in the world that you want to, but until the hole in your heart is full, you will always be discontent. It's the way it works. For all of your life, you can surround yourself with people, but you're still going to be lonely until you fill the hole with the one that who will deliver you and say, now I'm going to walk with you over and over and over again. Right? Then he says, not only is he your, your Savior and your Messiah, but he says you're his you know, that, that he is your Lord. So here's the last part of the message. What does it mean to have a Lord? Because we don't live in that world, right? None of us live in the world of understanding what a Lord is, but here's what scripture was talking about. Guess what? You have a new master. So the message is, I'm going to save you from your sins. I'm going to deliver you from a life lived alone. And guess what? You get a new master, the world is no longer your master. The people around you are no longer your master. You get somebody else to tell you what to do. You know what the problem with that is? A lot of people want saved and a lot of people want delivered, but who wants a new master? Maybe. Right? Like, think about this. <laughs> You may be like, I don't think it's that big a deal. It's not like I have another master. like, he's got to be better than my boss, right? Or he's got to be better than my wife or he's got to be better than my husband. That's not even what he's fighting over. You know what he's fighting over? You. You think you're your own best master. You think you are the one that have mastered the best way to do your life. And the fight is not a tension between somebody else telling you what to do. It's you giving in your will to do. Come on. Thank you. Just wanna make sure we're still going. Yeah, I mean, and this, so you guys that have done this for a while, you know this. This is a daily thing. Yeah, at least. Yeah, it's probably true. Probably more than a daily thing, but it is a daily thing to wake up every day and say, I got to surrender my will, surrender my will, surrender my will. Because again, in this process, when we are going out, because remember, this is what he's trying to do. Let's not lose focus. He's trying to find people that will further the message, right? And so he's trying to find people that will understand how to be able to tell somebody else what it's like to have a Savior, what it's like to be delivered. Right, like th- These are the stories. That's why I told you to, to, to listen to the round table because these are stories of people in different ways that have been delivered out of a life living alone to a life lived with God, and this is what he's doing. Right, like th- those, are, those are the stories that you're hearing over and over and over again. And so this is what people that are searching, if you don't know this, like if you're working with people that don't know Jesus, you know what they're searching for? Stories of people who've met the real Jesus not more religion, right? Like nobody needs more church, right? Nobody needs more church things to do. What they need is the reality of a transformed life. Somebody that can say... I got saved. I got delivered. And every day, I'm trying to submit my will. Here's where I screw up. Here's where I'm going right. Here's where God's meeting me. But it's like a real thing. that happens every single day. It's awesome. You should try it. Right? You should be a part of it. You should, you should not leave this out here. So that is the message and the message that he wanted uh, for each one of them, because then he says, and we've already talked about this, and I'm not going to go deep into it, but he says, if you do those things, it brings you peace, right? Joy and peace, yeah. The things that we talked about in the, the previous message, joy and peace, and that joy and peace is because you have surrendered your life to God, right? So, so we'll just keep moving in that. So now, what do you do? Okay, here's who he picks. Here's his plan. Here's who he picks. Here's the message we're supposed to send out. Now, what did the shepherds do and how should we model ourselves after it? Here's what he says in the rest of verse 18. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who were lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they had spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at the shepherds, uh, at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all of these things, pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God uh, for all of the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. You know what's interesting about this story? You get to the end of it, I would have assumed that the angel's gonna show back up and say, okay, you got it? Like you got what I said? Like, and you saw it? You know, now, this is what I want you to do anybody tell them what to do? You see, I'm going to tell you this and I'm going to come back to this. This is always the hardest thing for me and that this is like a deep issue for me. If your heart is changed, I shouldn't have to tell you to reach people. If your heart is changed, I shouldn't have to tell you to come to church. If your heart is changed, I shouldn't have to tell you to go out and take care of the poor. If your heart is changed, I shouldn't have to tell you to love on people. If your heart is changed, I shouldn't have to tell you to be in relationship with people Right? Like you shouldn't have, and again, I know, like everybody says, I know, but you just got to give a little people a little bit of help. A little kick in the butt. You know, I've always said this, and I'm getting deeper than I need to, but you know what the problem with that is? People stop when you stop kicking. That's always been my issue. (laughs) My issue is, is like you can set up all of these programs to keep, kicking people in the butt, remind them of the things that they need to do. And then as soon as you're not around to remind them or as soon as the program falls, or you don't have enough stuff to remind them of, guess what happens? You just go back to doing whatever you want to do. I would just rather have less stuff and focus on heart change. I'd rather have less things that we think are going to change things and focus on the one who is going to change things, which is Jesus. But I'd rather go down those roads because I think those are the things that are gonna actually uh, move people forward. Now, let's look at it from the perspective of what did the shepherds do? Because this is important. Whether you're out there and today you're still seeking or whether you're somebody who has already believed. They had a message. And here's what I want you to understand. They had angels and the angels showed up. But what was their response to the angels showing up, giving them a message? What did they do? they went to the manger the proof of see this is what I want you to see you see one of the things that scripture says is you need to believe right to be saved you need to believe right and here's what I want you to get this is not an intellectual assent to say oh yeah i believe that jesus christ died on the cross yes i believe that jesus christ you know was born belief leads to action you see that So yeah, these angels proclaimed and these angels did, but belief meant this. I'm here and I can stand here and say, yay, Jesus, hope somebody else visits the sucker, right? Or yay, Jesus, hope somebody else takes over the job or you can do what you're told. I believe, so I'm going to come and see. I'm gonna come and see, right? And this is what I want you to, to, to see from that standpoint or from the whole picture that we're trying to paint. For this to get right, a couple things have to happen. If if you've heard the message, you have to do something about it. If you've heard the message, and I'm not saying that you have to go out and prove yourself, but you do have to take a step. You do have to come and meet Jesus, right? You do have to come to a place where you're gonna say, like, I'm gonna try to figure out, is this? This this is the way it was for Missy. Missy was like, "I'm I'm in religion, I went to church, now relationship. I had to seek this, figure this out, go past what I thought in religion and try to seek out relationship. And this changed me, right? Like this is what was different for me, but I, but I sought it out. I did something different. The other part of it is, is that if you're a, um, somebody that comes here at life, one of the things we said from the beginning, and it's modeled honestly after this, just like what the shepherds did. Come and see, go and tell Simple, right? Because I want you to hear something. So you might think that um, by everything that happens here, that, you know, we think that preaching messages, doing music, and doing videos are going to transform people. Here's what we understand the messages, the music, the videos, the lights, the chairs, the environment aren't transformational. You might like them or not, right? <laughs> might be a little bit of both. But if you listen to somebody's story, this is what you hear all the time. I came in and something was different. I felt something. I heard something something changed inside of me. You know what that something is? (laughs) You came and God met you. So when you're thinking about this idea of preaching the gospel to people and hope that they'll get saved, we always tell you, just bring them here. Not that they can't meet Jesus somewhere else, but you know there is something special about a bunch of people gathering together. You know why the greatest thing that you could ever do here today is not come here and get more knowledge, but come here with an anticipation to meet Jesus. That's the greatest thing that could happen today. Because those who come with an anticipation create an environment for the Holy Spirit to do things that only he can do. That when people walk into the room, this is what they're gonna hear. This is what they're gonna feel. They're just gonna walk in. And again, you might, this might be your story. I came in, whether it was a conference or whether it was a church or whether it was a small group, I came in and something changed me. Something inside of me switched. That something is Jesus. And that's what happened with the shepherds. They came there, right? And as soon as they came there and they saw Jesus, the immediate response was, I gotta go tell somebody. What am I gonna tell them? I don't know. Saw a baby, an angel met me out in the wilderness and here's what he said. You got a savior who's gonna deliver you. You don't have to live alone anymore right? You have somebody that, you know, all those sheep we keep raising and they keep taking it. That's going to be gone. What do we need to do a Bible study? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I just want to tell you this. Jesus has been born and it changed me forever. And I wanted to change you. So as the worship team comes back up, let me give you a little challenge. Okay. So for you guys that are in the room today, we're going to have an opportunity to take communion. So for everybody in the room today, I never want to gloss over this because I believe this. I believe that there are people in this room today that for years have been searching and haven't found, have been lonely and, and been trying to fill a hole that it's never been filled right? And we want to give an opportunity during communion today. We want to give an opportunity for you to come up. There'll be people uh, from our prayer team at each one of the stations. So if you don't notice them, they usually stand back behind, you know, the station, but they'll be at each one of them. And here's what I want you to get. I don't want you to miss an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I don't, want to miss an, I don't want you to miss an opportunity that today, right? Like today, something's different for you. Today, you showed up. Today, you felt something. Today, something switched inside of you. Today, for the first time, you recognized, you know, maybe just like, you know, the angel showed up. Maybe an angel showed up to you today and you realized how broken you really are. And you want to do something about it. Well, that's something is take an opportunity, come up with prayer, pray with somebody, confess to somebody, have somebody be on that journey with you. Don't just, don't just do it alone. If you got a friend, you don't have to come up to the front. You got a friend that you came with today, you got a family member you came with today, pray right there with them, whatever that looks like. But don't waste an opportunity for that to happen. Here's the other thing. This is natural, I think. You know who the best evangelists are? People who just got saved. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's all new, and you're like super excited, and man, I was lost, and I am found, and I'm excited, and then you come to church for a while, and now you're like the hmm, Jesus. Oh donuts and coffee. And... <laughs> this is this not true? You know what I mean? Like you kind of get in a rhythm. You kind of get in a rut? You kind of forget? Here's what I want you to see today. You see, communion is to help you see you for who you really are. That's what he says. Take an opportunity to do true evaluation. Not evaluation on what the world says good is. Evaluate yourself on God's standards. And remember, because you might have forgot, you were lost. Your sins have been paid for. You are now found, and God has a plan for you. And you know the first part of that plan? Go and tell somebody. Go out, remember what it was like Remember those days, however many years ago it was, that God rescued you and don't waste any time going out and telling people, you don't have to have your life right. You don't have to have it all together. You don't even have to have all the right words. All you have to do is say, hey, you know what? Just come and see. I don't know either. Just come and see. I don't know what's gonna change you. Just come and see. It could be for Eve, Eve right? I don't know. I don't know what it's gonna be like. I don't know. Just come and see and trust that God will do only he can do so i'm going to pray for us and in that time after i'm done praying there'll be a time for us to just sit together to reflect to take an opportunity to evaluate ourselves to take an opportunity for god to 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 work on whatever that he needs to work on and then uh will let us know when the communion tables are open and you can come up and take communion and don't forget this too the people that are up there for the prayer team are not just up there for salvation. They're up there to pray over you, whether it's your healing, whether it's your emotions, whatever those things are, pray to encourage you. But they're here. They want to pray with you. Don't don't just leave that. Take an opportunity to be able to uh, pray with them today. So bow your heads and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you uh, for this story, Lord. It just reminds me so much. Um, I need to humble myself and be reminded that, um, like you want us to be an instrument for you. Lord, we need to forget about what people will say, what we think people will hear, who will offend or not offend. Lord, we just need to be like the shepherds, humbled and available. Lord, and let us preach that message. You are Savior. You are Lord, and you are our deliverer, Lord. We're so thankful for those things. Let us be a people who come and see and go and tell and trust you that that the world will be transformed. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray, amen.